I don't know how to describe it other than like like a demon type of sound. But it's silhouetted, hulking, every bit of five and a half feet wide, 13 to 14 foot tall, pitch black. The one thing that ran through my mind when I had this encounter was I don't have a big enough gun. Your host, two-time witness and field researcher for more than 40 years, William Jevnik. Welcome to Creek Devil. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Creek Devil. Tom, would you like to introduce our guest today? Absolutely. We've got a special guest today. This is Alan, and I'm going to have Alan uh, give his uh, bio because he can do a much better job than I can. But before we go, I just want to say, if you like the show, let us know. Click the like and subscribe button if you haven't done so already. And if you want to support the show, you can do so. We've got a link to Patreon in the description. And one other thing is I've had a couple people say they've had troubles finding us. So I just want to say that the show, the uh, the YouTube channel is William Jevening's YouTube channel. So it's even though the show is Creek Devil, if you Google William Jevening YouTube, you'll find us right away. And uh, obviously, if you've already if you're listening to this, you've already found us. But uh, pass that on to friends that are, might be interested. So at this point, I'm going to hand this off to Alan. Alan, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do. And your latest, uh, you and I talked about an adventure you had in Colorado. Yeah, so my name's uh, Alan McGargle, and uh, I've been a paranormal investigator for uh, a long time, a couple decades. Uh, I've been a Bigfoot researcher for probably the last 14 years or so. Uh, I spent some time in the BFRO, came up through the, the old ranks in Ohio there. Um, and then I, uh, I've been running a, a camp out weekend called Bigfoot Adventure Weekends for about um, 11 years now, and then in 2015, I started making documentary films, and I produced uh, several different films. I worked on the Minerva Monster Project with Small Town Monsters. I produced and directed the film The Back 80. Um, I've also worked on a film called The Ghosts and Ghost Towns, Haunting the Wild West, uh, Bigfoot Alien Connection Revealed, and just recently completed the uh, uh, Alien Contact in the Rockies, uh, and lots more stuff uh, coming out. So. Um, that's what I, I do. I keep really busy. Well, it sounds like it's not only busy, but a lot of fun. So tell us a little bit about, um, the latest adventure, the one you had, uh, you called it the meat pit. (laughs) Yes. And I love the name. So tell us about it. What's, what's going on there? So one of the things that, um, that happened along the way, well, it happens a lot actually is, you know, I meet people and sometimes those people pique my interest in this case, uh, I met a gentleman in Estes Park, Colorado, uh, when I moved out to Colorado about uh, four years ago. Um, his name's Kenny Collins, uh, and he's been researching and doing Bigfoot investigating for a long time, 30-plus uh, years. And he has a whole trove of information about that. And uh, he introduced me to some other people, uh, and it turns out there's an area that they've all had some very interesting experiences in. Um, it's... They call it the flat tops. Um, it's not exactly the flat tops uh, park, but it's in that area of uh, sort of a northern Colorado, uh, eastern or western slope of the Rocky Mountains. And they have a an area down there um, that they call the meat pit. Um, it got dubbed that because they've all had Bigfoot experiences down in this area, and they began leaving uh, plates of meat out. 
Uh, and that seemed to draw on the Bigfoot and they would have interactions uh, with Bigfoot. I got uh, two and, questions before you yeah. get too much further. Sure. Um, so it sounds like they, the, they're sure that the Bigfoot came in and ate the meat. What kind of meat? What was it? Ham? Bacon? Beef? You know, I don't think uh, <laughs> there's there's any rules for the meat pit. I, I know when we were there, it was pretty much, what do you got? You know, I think they've done anything from hot dogs to putting steak out there. So uh, I, I think there's no rules. Okay, very good. Interesting. So uh, in this particular weekend, we were we were camping about a half a mile away or so. Um, and then we, we hiked down into the meat pit uh, our first night. Uh, and the first thing I noticed was there was a camping area down there. And I said to Kenny, I said, why, why aren't we camping here? And he's like, oh, no, no, <laughs> no, nobody camps down here. This is, this is in, this is where the action happens. It's, it's too intense to camp down here. I was like, well, um, tomorrow night, guess where we're camping? <laughs> I mean, that's where, that's where we need to be. So that's what we did. Uh, we spent the first night down there, um, checking things out. We didn't have, uh, too much happened. Uh, and then during the day, the next day we broke down some of our camp and we set up, uh, down in this meat pit area and we're, we're sort of like right on the top of it. So if you hike, um, past our campsite, you actually go down into this bowl. Uh, it's like sort of not really a ravine. It's not deep, but it's a little Valley. Um, so we baited the meat pit that night. Uh, and we retreated back to our camping area, and we had a fire going. And we had a couple things happen uh, around the fire. Nothing um, nothing too interesting, though it was dramatic in some ways. <laughs> we weren't expecting a lot, and uh, the little things that did happen startled us. But uh, we finally got to the point where we were ready to uh, just pack it in. Um, let's go back to the tents and turn in for the night and, and let Bigfoot come to us. And as, pretty much as soon as we got up from our camping chairs – and started walking towards the tents, we we heard this series of screams. Um, I wouldn't say I've never heard them before, but it's a distinct sound. And in this time, it sounded like maybe, I don't know, three to five individual somethings uh, making a horrendous screaming noise, not too far from our camp, but in the opposite direction from the meat pit. Um, so we, we kind of talked about it a little bit. Um, it, it went on long enough that I was able to get the camera turned on and kind of catch the tail end of it. So I, I was able to capture some of the audio, but we ultimately decided to stick with our plan and let's just go to the tents and let them come to us. So basically we had a, a restless night, but nothing really happened that we were aware of. Uh, in the morning I got up and Kenny and I went down to check the meat plate. Um, it had been untouched, which I wasn't totally surprised because I think, um, I think they were there and they were in the opposite direction that night. Um, as a side note, before we got there, Kenny was there probably maybe four or five days before we got there, and he actually found a footprint um, near, I guess, where I, I would go into the woods if I was to guess where those noises came from. So there was a there was a footprint found there just a few days before, which he cast and took some measurements of. So um, it seemed like they were in a different area that that weekend. But when we were coming back from the meat pit, uh, I noticed, I think Kenny actually did, that there was a a disturbance in the back window of my car. So we took a good close look at it and um, it looked like a giant handprint. And what was unusual about it, uh, a lot of things were unusual about it actually, um, uh, was that it was in the center of the back window. So not a place that you would push on to close the door. Um, so it really stuck out and it was very you know, pronounced in the dust that was on the window because the road down to the meat pit is 
very rough four by four kind of road and it was dry and very dusty. Um, so the car was covered in this, you know, film of dust. And there was a lot of unique things about the, uh, the handprint. One was that the fingers were really long, but they seemed to be very thin. Um, and some of the, I guess the alignment of the fingers didn't quite match what a human handprint would look like. Um, it didn't have like the splay, I guess is what you would call it. So the fingers seemed to come off of the palm in straight lines, not at an angle. Um, so it was just a, a few weird things about it. Um, so I, I got the car home and we did some measurements and filming. I checked it with a black light and I took some DNA swabs of it and uh, I tried to lift it off uh, with some tape, but the powder wouldn't really stick to it. There wasn't enough oil on it. Um, so the print basically got ruined while we tried to do that, but there wasn't much more we could do. And at some point the, it was going to rain or, you know, that it was going to wash off the car. So um, we did all we could do. And, and that's sort of where we are right now. Well, I'm looking at it right now. You, uh, I think you posted it on face on Facebook. Will sent me a copy of it. Yeah. And did you get the, I had a sort of a similar one of uh, handprint that was on the middle panel of the rear door of my truck. And I, did you get that, the one that I sent you? Yeah, that one was very interesting, too. It was it was definitely a muddier situation. That The handprint was basically in mud, but um, very interesting as well, very big. Yeah, well, actually, it was, it, was a, um, it was a hot and dusty handprint. But the thing that was interesting was I actually washed my truck at least two times, ran it through the car wash, you know, a couple times. And I think it t- took three times before it finally went away. There must have been some grease or something on that handprint. Um, but when you described yours with the long fingers, and this one is sort of the same thing, but um, I don't know. Why do they do that? Maybe they're curious. Who knows? Well, I mean, you know, I, I think um, sort of a calling card just to let us know that they came by and um, paid us a little visit. I, you know, I think it was, for me, it was some validation that we were in the right place and we had something happen. I mean, that's, that's kind of how I, I took it. I thought it was more like you're next. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I definitely didn't take it like that. <laughs> okay. So, um, so now this happened at the same place where at the meat pit, right? Same general area. Yeah, this would have been at the top of the hill, um, right at the what they call the meat pit area. Yeah, for sure. Okay. And did you have any other, um, besides the screams and the handprint, any other activity or evidence? Um, I think you mentioned a footprint at one point. Yep. Uh, yeah, the only other thing that happened, again, happened before we got there, um, and, and at the campsite a half mile away, um, I think maybe two nights before we got there, uh, there was a really intense thunderstorm. Uh, and, and my friend Kenny was hiding out in his tent. And during some of the lightning, he he could see a shadow of a figure that uh, he said it looked like it came up to his tent and checked him out and then walked off. Um, what was interesting, after he told us that, we were kind of looking around and uh, you could see where something had come through the tall grass field. Uh, behind his tent and came up to his tent um, and that was uh you know fresh uh, 
fresh matted down grass coming through that area. So um, kind of a little evidence to back up his potential sighting through the tent wall. Absolutely. Well, and again, when you, you know, when you think about the evidence of the creatures, number one, you need to kind of be in tune for what you're looking for. And also just kind of understand that they're out there, but they're hiding in plain sight. So if you know what you're looking for, it becomes easier to uh, spot the evidence and, uh, you know, potentially spot the creature as well. So what were some of the other encounters that you've had, excuse me, with, uh, you know, in your research over the years for Bigfoot? Yeah, well, I mean, there's, there's. Bigfoot alien connection reveal. We were going across the United States to different places and um, I've had a lot of experiences there. So, I mean, I've got a, a whole sort of treasure trove of things that have happened now. Um, some personal contact experiences. I've not had what you would call a class A sighting. Um, it just doesn't seem to work that way for me, but you know, I, I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm, I don't necessarily need that. Um, I've had interactions uh, rock throwings and, and things like that. Um, I'm not sure if there's a particular thread well, that's more appealing bit, to you than another. <laughs> no, tell us a little bit about the rock throwing because that always interests me because it's it's something with hands. It's, it always boils down to it's either a person or these things. There's really not much in between. So right. fill us in on the, you know, how, how did you get to that point and what happened and, and you know, What's what's yeah, going so on with the rock throwing? I've got a I've got a few of those, but I'll I'll go with the sorry the most dramatic one and, and and what I consider the best one. Uh, I was probably about uh, maybe four years ago um, at Bigfoot Adventure Weekends in Ohio. We were at Salt Fork State Park, which is a well-known Bigfoot area. The Ohio people know that well. Uh, and I was I had a small group of people, maybe five or six. Um, there was a couple moms and a bunch of kids. Some of them pretty young. Uh, and it had been raining that day, so we decided to sort of stick to the roads and not really go off into the woods too much. It was pretty muddy. So we were walking along. We had parked down at this dead-end area, and then we walked back up the road. And it's a it's a pretty remote road in the wildlife area of Salt Fork. Um, and we were the only ones out there. And as we were sort of walking up this uh, gravel, dirt road, um, I was probably in the middle of the group. Someone in front said that they had heard a rock come through the trees and land next to them. So we sort of paused, and then someone else in the group said, I just saw you know, red eyes. Um, they just flashed, and then they ducked down. Uh, now, we had red headlamps on, so um, I would call this eye shine, not necessarily self-illuminating, but it was eye shine nonetheless. Uh, and then um, I was able to sort of get up to where things were happening and, and get my bearings on where we were and what was going on. And we all basically witnessed uh, uh, rock after rock after rock, you know, a few seconds to a minute or two apart um, over and over and over again for about 45 minutes. Uh, but the thing that was interesting was um, no one ever got hit. It was always sort of thrown at our feet. You could hear it come through the trees and then land on the gravel. Um, we could see the tree branches move once in a while, so we knew where it was. And then some people that were, I guess, a little closer to being down the road a little further, but they were still very close to me. <laughs> Everyone was sort of freaked out. The kids were crying at this point. 
Um, so I radioed another group that we had out there in the area. They were a couple miles away and I told them to come over and help me. I, I need to get the kids out of here. They're, they're panicking, but we're having a Bigfoot encounter and I'm not leaving. I don't care if kids are crying or not. So eventually someone from the group said, I, I, I'm hearing something down the road a little bit further. Um, and I can see, you know, it's pitch black, but I can see something darker dart across the road. Um, so I kind of started focusing on that. And once in a while you could, you could hear something run across the road and you could almost sort of see it, but it was too dark. It was in the shadow of the trees. Meanwhile, the rocks are still being thrown. Um, so in my head, I came up with this theory that, um, we may have stumbled upon a female Sasquatch, um, with a baby. And I think we kind of spooked them. So they just kind of hunkered down behind the trees and we kind of had them pinned down accidentally. And my theory is that Papa, <laughs> the bigger one, was was down the road a little bit trying to get our attention and trying to draw us away. And at one point, um, we got the sense that it ran across the road and it was heading behind us. So I got a little concerned for our group. I'm not not overly, but I decided to to walk back behind our group into the wood line a little bit to sort of cut it off just to make my people feel better. Uh, and that seemed to work. I could hear something move and it backed up and it went back across the road again. So, you know, there's similarities with that. We've had at least two people on the show in the past within the last year, year and a half um, from Salt Fork. We've had that type of experience uh, with the rock throwing and landing at their feet. So it's yeah, it's interesting. You're like the third guy who's mentioned that. And well, it's, it's happened to me probably three or four times there because I've spent a good decade uh, investigating that park. So I've been there a lot. So tell us, for, for people that don't know anything about Salt Fork, tell us a little bit about it. Is it is it uh, like a enclosed wooded area, you know, and uh, do sure. you have any, you know, any civilization around or is it kind of wilderness? Well, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so what's interesting about Ohio is um, basically the the north part of Ohio and, and the west part of Ohio has all been sort of cleared by glaciers back in the day. But the southeastern part of Ohio is still very much not. Um, so it's a lot more hilly and ravines and old growth forest and, and things like that. So um, Ohio is known for that southern, they had called the Bigfoot Triangle. It's uh, Cambridge, Ohio, over to Coshocton. And down through that area, they call it the Bigfoot Triangle because it's it's very dense woods. It's very remote areas. Um, I mean, there's there's little towns around and things, but there's no big cities. The other interesting thing about Ohio is, you know, there's not a lot of, you know, thousands of acres of undeveloped wilderness. So there's a lot of, you know, roads that cut through and a lot of the Bigfoot sightings in Ohio are road crossings. But the nice thing is that... Um, there's only so many places these creatures could hide. So it does make it, you know, um, convenient for people like us that like to go in the woods and find them. There's, there's only so, so much place they can be. We're out here in Colorado. We've got, you know, millions of places for them to be. It's a lot more difficult to find them. But Sulphur is interesting because it's the largest um, state park in Ohio. And basically the, the western part of the park is somewhat developed. There's a couple different campgrounds, a primitive campground, a a larger campground with electricity and everything. And there's there's a lodge there where you can book cabins and rooms and 
Uh, there's civilization to some degree. But then the western side of Salt Fork is the wildlife area, and it's probably just as big, if not a little bigger, than the developed part. So when you go there, most of the people are they're at the little beach on the lake or they're staying at the lodge and the cabins, and they don't usually go over into the wildlife area. So when you go there, especially in some of the off-season, you kind of have the place to yourself except for other Bigfoot people. So it's kind of the ideal place, I think. Um, there's people which Bigfoot like. They're very curious. They like to interact with people. Uh, and there's, you know, food sources and water sources and places to hide. And um, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that, that they're there on the yeah, we, we have a lot of reports uh, from Ohio. And like I said, specifically three of them from, from Salt Fork. Um, and I'm just going to ask you a question. There was uh, the DNR, Ohio. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but the Ohio DNR, um, did a four-part series right in the middle of the the uh, pandemic yeah. about Bigfoot. And I was kind of surprised. This came from state government, uh, you know, coming right out and talking about it. I've, yeah, it was we, from naturalist John Hickenbottom, who uh, I worked with a little bit at the park um, when I was there. Okay. And what was um, – What's his thoughts? What's his perspective on the existence of Bigfoot? John, John's interesting because when I when I first met him, um, he was entertained by it, and that was about 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 as good as you would get from him. He would not admit anything. Um, he went on and, and did some other things at some different parks, and I started working with the new naturalist. Her name was Cindy Coss, uh, and we developed a, a, a Bigfoot program at the park there. Uh, me and my uh, my business partner Jesse Morgan. Uh, and we started doing um, Bigfoot night hikes for the campground. And we we'd, we would have, you know, two, three hundred people show up and we'd split them up into groups and take them on Bigfoot hikes. And it was a it was a big deal for the park. It brought in lots of people. And then um, Cindy moved on and, and John came back. And it was about that time that uh, I moved to Colorado. So everything that we were doing kind of ended. But uh, he worked with my, my buddy Jesse for, a, for about a year after I was gone. Um, and kind of got established with the Bigfoot stuff. And then uh, as we pulled out, um, John took over. Um, so he's really gotten into it. He's been speaking at some conferences and stuff. And we've gone back a few times to do our camp out weekend. And he's come by as a guest and talked to our, our attendees and, and attended some of our hikes and stuff. So, um, yeah, he's he's in, he's into it. And he's been working with the Ohio BFRO. And um, I don't know if he's official capacity on anything, but – He's a he's a Bigfoot believer, that's for sure. Oh, that's interesting. So, how do you compare? You you talked about a little bit of the differences between the Bigfoot in in Ohio and Colorado, but how do you compare the two? And what would your preference be as far as doing the research? Would you prefer Ohio or or Colorado or? Um. Well, uh, you know. Uh, Ohio's been good to me because I've had a lot of experiences. Um, Colorado's is is a lot more scenic, <laughs> so when you're not finding Bigfoot, it's a lot more you know a lot more fun to to be out hiking around the mountains and things. And the uh, the people here are a lot different. They're a lot more open to some of the non primate theories about Bigfoot. It's definitely uh, dragged me away from that. A lot of my experiences I've had since I left Ohio have not been typical primate experiences, but more, um, communication type things and, and, 
you know, more paranormal in nature, I guess, to put it a different way. Um, so I've I've enjoyed exploring that other side of it. That was something that I really didn't try to do before. And it's really opened my mind to the possibility of all these things. And for me, it was really convenient because um, I've always been fascinated with UFOs and and ghosts and paranormal and, and Bigfoot. And, uh, you know, I just sort of put it all together now and just go looking for whatever I find. So um, it's really fit me very well, I think. What, um, so in Colorado, how many, what would you say are the number of encounters that you've had? You've been there for what, four years? Yeah, about four years. Okay. And in the four years, uh, I'm assuming you've done quite a bit of research. How many really significant encounters do you think you've run into? Um, you know, probably, probably not, not a ton because actually I, I haven't really done as much here as I did in Ohio because I've been working with my father-in-law, uh, Ron Meyer, who owns Center Communications, and we've been producing some uh, content like this together for the last few years, and it's really put me on the road. So a lot of my experiences the last few years have been in other places. Um, I've had some here in Colorado. We've definitely done some work here, um, but a lot of what I've had done has happened in Arkansas and uh, Oregon and Wisconsin and, and all these different places. It's, it's actually been been really cool. But um, yeah, I don't I don't actually don't have a whole lot in Colorado just yet. Um, but we did make a film called Alien Contact in the Rockies, where we really branched out on and we tried to utilize some of the things that we were being told um, uh, that we learned along the way. Like we started gifting for Bigfoot, you know, where you leave a little something and you hope to get something back. And, you know, we believe that we made some sort of contact and I'm not sure if it was Bigfoot or, or what it was, but um, we basically had a uh, uh, an animal mutilation left for us in our gifting area. And OK, tell us a little bit about that. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. So we'd worked this area for it was a few years, really. Um, it's actually my father-in-law's land. He's got 40 acres of raw wilderness uh, above Loveland, Colorado, somewhat near Estes Park. Um, so it's a, it's sort of a, more of a controlled environment for us. It's a gated area and um, very limited access. Uh, so we started some gifting and we got a little bit of responses and we were sort of, you know, more or less toying with it. We weren't going there a whole lot a few times a year. It wasn't a, a concerted effort, you know, like we weren't going up there every week. It's about an hour and a half drive or so to get up there. But um, we sort of thought to ourselves one day, let's let's go up there. It's been a little while. Let's see what's what's been happening. And when we went to our gifting spot, um, we found this deer, and it had uh, no head. It removed. Um, the legs yeah, were I think we lost clean cut or hour. broken clean. <laughs> I apologize. Okay. I think we lost you for about 30 seconds area. I just heard the part about no head and then it cut off. So um, <laughs> okay. tell us a little bit about, so what happened? So where, where'd we leave off? <laughs> uh, you said you found a deer. It had no okay. head and, and then we kind of lost you. So what did you find? You found a deer with no head and okay. what else? Yes. So we found a, a deer with, it had no head. Um, it was the hindquarters looked like they'd been cut open and, uh, some organs were most likely removed. And we found some, that the, the legs were either 
clean broken or cut. Uh, and then I think the thing, the two things that were the strangest was um, there was no blood anywhere. So whatever had happened to it hadn't happened there. And there was no signs of how it got there. There were no drag marks or uh, the shrubs around it um, weren't disturbed in any way. So it was almost like it sort of was dropped there from somewhere. Um, so it was really peculiar. And we, we uh, did a whole investigation and ended up making a film about that whole experience. So. So when you say it was cut and the legs were cut, could you tell if there was tool use or do you think it may have been dismembered um, without the use of tools? So there was no evidence of tools. The The legs, especially the bones, were, were broken clean. They weren't sawed. And the hindquarters were, there was, there was they weren't chewed. It was, it was clean cut. Um, whether there was a tool used to cut the flesh, I, I couldn't say, but... Um, I don't think so. Um, there was just a lot about it that that yeah. was really strange. And the fact that it was sort of right where we'd been doing our experiments was also not, you know, not unnoticed. So we set up some some trail cameras to sort of monitor that carcass. And we started re- recording some really strange anomalies where the camera would randomly you know it would show a regular nighttime clip there's a fox going by and then it would you know there's a there's a bobcat and then all of a sudden we get a clip where it's just all static and as we're looking at these static clips we've we got maybe five or six of them over a month or two period um we could start to see some movement in there so we did some um analysis and some video trickery where we sort of inverted the image and tried to pull it out and we, you could see these little weird-shaped creatures moving through the, through the field of view of the camera. And we have no idea what it was, where they came from, but it was somehow related to what was happening. And this was in, well, this was in Colorado or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. <clears throat> well, the head missing is, that's becoming pretty iconic now. Uh, yeah. We're seeing a lot of that, both with uh, deer, hogs, um, you know, the, wild boar. Which... Yeah, the other thing to note, too, you know, I mean, this wasn't a, a prized deer. This was just a regular, you know, mill, run-of-the-mill deer. There was no reason that anyone would go to the effort to take the head of something that was just ordinary. Right, right. No, no, no. That's that's. And if they did, I'm guessing... The head's going to be cleanly cut. You know, you'll see a nut. You'll see. You can tell the difference between where a head has just been torn off, yeah, and where a knife or a saw has been used. The other interesting thing too, as we monitored this, um, none of the wildlife would actually go up to it and pick at it. You could see, you know, like I said, there was a fox and a bobcat, and these things would kind of walk into the area and then just leave, and they wouldn't touch it. And and then um, once we once we realized that we went back with some measurement devices um, that I have for my paranormal kit, and we ended up um, determining that there was a a dome shape of magnetic energy around this area, and we were able to measure that consistently over about six weeks until it it continually faded until it was gone. So use, well, a magnetometer. Um, what did you use to measure the magnetic field, and how did you find it? 
Uh, so we use a tri-field meter uh, and another okay. type of magnetic uh, meter that I had. Um, well, we got the idea when we saw these clips, and and the static seemed to have a dome shape to it as well in, in the video clips. So that's when we sort of got this idea that um, maybe some sort of energy or, or we speculate maybe even some sort of portal or something was opened. So that's where we got the idea to go back and, and take these measurements. And it did confirm that um, I could – I could step in and out of this field and I could measure it above me in sort of this dome shape. Um, and, and, and I think it was really telling that it sort of went away after a while. So um, my theory is some big event happened. The deer was part of it. And then the energy from that residual, residual energy lasted for about six weeks and then um, it's gone. And then after that energy was gone, the, the carcass got picked clean after that. Oh, it was picked clean after it went away. Okay. Yeah, eventually. And, and the deer, that. we can, I think we can safely say, was not a uh, voluntary uh, contributor to this experiment or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't think so. <laughs> Alan, this has been fascinating. I really appreciate it, and I think we're going to have you back on again at some point. Um, stay in touch with us. Keep sure. us updated, and uh, we'll do likewise. So um, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. But any final questions for Will or myself? Um, no, I don't think so. Okay. Well, um, this has been very interesting, and I'm glad we had a chance to uh, to chat with you. And you know, like I said, we're going to have you back on at some point. Great. So yeah, it's been great. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. All right. So everybody stay tuned and for the next segment. In Bigfoot history, Sister Lakes, Michigan, June 1964. True June 1966 and other publications report a dozen people seeing a nine-foot, 500-pound thing that cries like a baby and makes the earth tremble when it walks. It looks like an ape, and its eyes shone in the dark. Several people said they'd seen such a creature earlier on occasion. Police found human-like footprints six inches wide across the ball and four inches across the heel. All sightings were at night except one by girls aged 12 and 13 who were frightened on a wooded road by something like a bear on its hind legs except for the face. Tell me about your experiences. What's been going on in that part of the country? Well, most of them are not my experiences. Okay. Some of them are from the, well, one, I, I'll tell you a little bit about it. Uh, my dad was raised up in the city Cove mountains of East Tennessee. And that's only about 35 miles from here where I live. And uh, he moved his family moved down or part of his family, his immediate family moved down to I'll go ahead and say it, Sweetwater, uh, back in the early thirties, but up until then, you know, they lived up there on the mount in the mountains. I still got some people that are related to me up there. And 
where they lived is now Cherokee National Forest. So it is really, really wooded up there. I mean, there's mountains. They're, they're not like huge mountains, but they're pretty, you know, pretty. Mm-hmm. That's how the foothills of Smoky. Sure. And uh, anyway, his experience, he told us about, he was real young. Yeah, I mean, not not like five or anything, but not a grown man. And uh, he'd went on up the mountain from where they lived to some more relatives. Like I said, we were all over the place up there, <laughs> not relatives. And uh, he said uh, it started getting dark, you know, and he was going back home and said he started down the mountain and he heard this horrific scream, you know. Yeah. And he said it sounded like a woman being killed, you know. He thought, well, maybe that's a you know, mountain lion or something, but he didn't know. And anyway, he just started walking a little faster down the mountain, and uh, there was, he said, there was something walking off in the woods beside him, you know, parallel. Mm-hmm. It is, he said, very heavy footsteps. And he said, he tried to walk pretty fast, but he didn't run. He didn't know. He had no idea what it was, you know. Of course, they'd never heard of that, I don't think, up there then. And uh, he said it followed him all the way down just to got right at home, you know. Wow. He always talked about that. He said that was so strange, you know, that it, he said it had heavy footsteps. And it didn't make any other noise that he could hear. He said every time he stopped, it stopped. And he just thought, well, if it was a mountain lion or something, you know, it would have come on after him, or a bear, or whatever. It wouldn't just walk down and, the mountain with him. Like and that. typically, another predatory animal, you wouldn't and, hear them if they were stalking you. Yeah, well, he could hear that. He said, "Was just walking out in the woods. He couldn't see it, you know, because it's a little far out, a little further out in the woods than he was." And he said, he heard it all the way down to, he got right at home, he said, and then he didn't hear it anymore, and then he ran the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. So that was his experience up there. And then in the, up in the, oh, I'm trying to think how old my mother was. She was probably a fairly young teenager, but her sister was, about three, maybe four years older than her. And they were raised in North Georgia. And they lived out on farms, you know, all her life. They were, you know, raised cotton and stuff like that. And she said that one night, back then, you didn't have, everybody didn't have a separate bedroom. Her and her sister slept in the same bed, you know. And she said it was summer and the window was open. And she said she was asleep. And said her sister poked her and said, hey, wake up, wake up. She said, what? And she realized her sister was buried down under the cover, you know. Mm-hmm. And she said, what are you doing down there? She said, look and see if it's gone. She said, what are you talking about? <laughs> she told this and she said it was true. She said that. Her sister said, well, something, said it must have come through the window. 
She said, I woke up and it was standing at the foot of our bed. She said wow. it was really covered in hair, you know. And it was, it was actually it was in the house. Colored. It was in the house. Oh, good she Lord. She said it was dark colored. And uh, said his eyes had a reddish tint to them, you know. Mm-hmm. And she said she saw it at the foot of the bed and she said she was looking at it, you know, and it looked at her when it saw, you know, her looking at it. It started up towards the head of the bed. And she said, I went under the cover. And she said, I waited a while. She said, I pulled the cover back down real slow and said it was back down there at the foot of the bed. She said, it looked at me again and started back up toward the head of the bed. And she said, I've been under the cover for about 30 minutes. <laughs> she said, I'm about to smother dead under here. So oh, look and no. see if it's gone. <laughs> Mama said, Mama said she told her, oh, it was probably the old devil after you. Because <laughs> she didn't see it, you know. Right. And uh, then uh, I think it was like a week or so later, back then, Everybody had an outhouse out in the country anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, you know, and you knew, even though it'd be dark, and it was dark, Mama said, you know, no street lights or anything out there. And But at night, you knew the path to the outhouse, you know, so people would go, you know. Sure. And she said uh, they started out to the outhouse, her and her sister, and something ran real hard, you know, fast toward them. That it ran right up to them, and then it gave a, you know, and said, then it just left. She said they were terrified. <laughs> she said that that was like the most wow. scared they'd ever been, you know. <laughs> I mean, these are not as exciting as some of the things I've heard people tell on there, but still. You know, it's interesting. It pieces just think, the same. You know, when, yeah. But, uh, okay, now the siding. <laughs> okay. We uh, live in a small town, and it's where we live back in the 60s. was not even in, in what you'd call the city limits then, but we're not that far from the actual downtown, which ain't much. But And where we live, I try to describe it a little bit. We... It's a, it, back then it was a few houses. You had to go up this big hill from the other road that came out from town. You uh, go up this big hill, and our houses were like sort of on the sides and top of the hill, you know. Mm-hmm. And But all around us, except for the part toward town, was a, a ridge, pretty high ridge. Well, actually the whole town, that some ridges around it but uh this is you know pretty high ridges all around but that one side and we live at the end at one street dead end and you go right down through a hollow there and then you start up the ridge but anyway my mother well we actually had some friends that lived over the hill and down went down and took a left, and there were only, I think, two houses on the right-hand side of the road, and 
our friend's house is up in the woods. It wasn't, I mean, like a mile in the woods, but it was up in the woods on the left side. And so that, and the rest of the little road, which was gravel then, went all the way down through more woods. And then you'd make a, either a left or right about a quarter of a mile down there and there was one house if you went to the left, and then you went up the ridge. And the other way went toward town, you know, but there was, it was heavily wooded. I mean, there was no houses except for that one little farm down there besides what was right there with my mama. But anyway, she went to, over to visit, and she walked over, you know, who wasn't that far, and she walked over. And uh, she stayed longer than she meant to, so she decided to bird get home. It's dark, you know, and everything. So she comes down to the basement, comes out the basement, or starts out the basement door because it's easier to to cut through the woods there than it was to go out the front and go down this long driveway. And they only had the only light up there was the light on the pole out in front. It would shed a little light toward the back, you know, but not a whole lot. And uh, she said that she opened the basement door and she saw something walking down the woods on two feet, you know. Mm-hmm. And she said she was so surprised that she stood there like, you know, 15, 20 seconds just staring at it. And she said it was walking on two feet. It was very tall. She didn't know how tall, but it was very tall. And I said at the time, it was a bear, Mom. She didn't know, you know, I seen bears. I raised in the country. She said it was not a bear. It was walking like a person. And uh, she said suddenly she, you know, oh, wait. (laughs) You know, she closed the door and locked it. And she went upstairs to tell the people that lived there, her friends, you know, there was something out there. Well, her friend's husband, he was real brave. He opened the window and looked out, you know. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't go outside or anything and check it. He told her it's probably a bear, and she told him no. And then he suggested other things, and she said, no, it's nothing I've ever seen before. And so she decides to go back down to the basement. And she walks down to the basement. It was a finished basement, you know, had rooms. Mm-hmm. And she walked into one of the rooms there on that side of the house where the woods were and everything, and where the woods were actually on three sides. No, actually four sides. <laughs> and they had the driveway and then the rest of it was wood and a little bit of yard. But she said that she walked kind of over toward the window and said it bent down and looked in the window at her. And she said, that face, she said, I thought it might be a gorilla. She said, but it wasn't a gorilla. She said its face was strange. She said it made her think of a a ram. Something about it did, you know, but she mm-hmm. did not, not exactly, but it's what it made her think of, you know. It mm-hmm. didn't, because it didn't look exactly like a gorilla, and she knew it wasn't a bear. It didn't look that way. And she said it looked in the window at her, and that uh, took its fingers, fingers now, and raked down the window. Oh, wow. You know, like it was trying to see what was there, you know, on that window. Mm-hmm. And it raked down the window, and before she got out of there real quick then, and uh, 
she's sliding out the walk home. <laughs> they brought her in, in, you know, in the car. And she told us, I was a teenager then, tells how old I am, but uh, I was interested, you know. I thought, wow, yeah, because we had heard, as kids, had heard about Patty film, you know, about sure. out, at, out in Northern California. And mm-hmm. We thought that's where anything was, out in Northern California. But, well, we talked a little bit about that. So I said, Mama, maybe it's one of them Bigfoot things. She said, I don't know what it was. Nothing I ever saw before. And so I go around to where the basement window was, and she told me that, looked in at her, and it had rained the night before, so there wasn't any footprints I could see, mm-hmm. you know. But there were three finger marks down the window. You could see in because the window was a little dirty on the outside with mud. Right. They're kind of, it's a low, real low to, you know, pretty low to the ground, and you know, it would get kind of dirty. So I was really intrigued by it. <laughs> I really was. That would be something to be but, interested in for sure. Yeah, I mean, she swore, you know, she said it was not a bear. It was not anything else that her friend's husband, he, he even said it might be a horse. She said, uh, a horse does not walk <laughs> like a human. <laughs> So they might raise up on their hind legs, but they don't just walk up through the woods like that. But anyway, <laughs> she said it made a strange noise. She couldn't, she said it was more like a or something, you know. Mm-hmm. She said she really couldn't imitate it that well, but it was a hmm. And I'd heard them talk about the hoot, you know, the hoot right. that some of them make and that not been what she's trying to describe. She's mm-hmm. dead now. She would be a hundred years old. She's alive, a little over. And uh, so I thought it might have been that she heard, you know. Yeah. And anyway, about three days later, I mean, the woods are all down around our, our houses. You know, they were down behind this house. There's still woods there, but there's some houses down in there now. But back. In the 60s, there wasn't nothing. And she was out getting clothes off the line, and it was like dusk, you know? Yeah. And she heard that same sound again. And that scared her, (laughs) because it was right down behind our house, down in the woods, you know? And so she just ran back in the house. And we talked about that and everything, and then about, I think it was about two weeks later... She was babysitting for two little girls that were friends of hers, little girls. They were like five and six years old, something like that. And me and my brother and my dad, I don't know where we were, I can't remember, but we weren't home. And uh, she said that she heard something at the back of the house, around the back door, you know, around in there. She heard it kind of making subtle noises around there. Mm-hmm. And she thought, oh, man, it's a prowler or something, you know. I she can said she you. didn't know what to do because she had them little girls. And so finally she just jerked the front door open and ran to the neighbors and called the police. And they came and looked and nothing, you know. I said, Mama, you know what? It could have been that thing you heard. She said, don't tell me that. 
(laughs) (laughs) But that, you know, we never paid, you know, a lot of attention to sounds in the woods. Like we heard something howl like we thought it was probably a coyote or something like that. Or, you know, maybe a bobcat because they were some bobcats around. But anyway, that's the 60s thing. Like I said, it was about 1968, I think. If I remember, I was a teenager, and uh, I think it was around 68 when that happened. But she never changed her story one iota about what she saw or anything. Mm -hmm. She was really, you know, and my mother didn't tell lies, you know. She wouldn't have just made that up, and you know. She was not like that. Mm-hmm. And, okay, now I'll come to my, I don't know if you'd call it, I don't know how encounter or what you would really call it, but me and some friends went up, up the road there, and you go up so far, and there's a place they call uh Hawassi Knobs, and it goes over this little mountain, you know, it's higher than where we are or anything, and it's it's a little mountain, it's not just a hill, but when we went up there, it's like 1985, maybe, Yeah, somewhere along there, and uh, it was dark, you know, we were just out riding around, and my boyfriend, he says, Let's go up on the knobs. He said, I need to go use the bathroom anyway. So we go up there, and he pulls up the little, there was one thing up there, and that was a fire tower back pretty far up off the road, the main road that went through, which wasn't much of a road. But anyway, there were no houses, none up there. And until you got all the way over to the, the other town over there, there were a few houses right there but anyway so we were he was driving you know and I was in the front and the others were in the back and we pulled up there and he he pulled in turned the car around you know he said I'm gonna go back here and uh, so I opened my door and put my feet out on the ground you know we just sitting there because it was a little warm you know and uh, I hear this I mean, it was deep, deep mm-hmm. breathing. It wasn't panting like an animal had run or, you know, yeah. heavy panting. It was just breathing, heavy, heavy breathing. I thought, what's wrong with him? <laughs> I was thinking it was him for a minute, you know. I thought, what's wrong with him? And so he comes back around my side of the car and he said, put your feet back in the car real low closed the door, and then I got my hair stood on him, you know, I realized that wasn't him, (laughs) (laughs) and it was dark, you know, so we couldn't see it, but after I've heard some of these stories about how heavy they heard, you know, but, well, we call them boogers, and it's always hard getting house where the boogers will get you, but uh, Sasquatch, you know, I heard they do that heavy breathing, Mm -hmm. and you know, I heard it for like a whole minute there. You know, it was just like it was taking these real deep 
breaths and mm-hmm. then letting them out just as hard as it took them in, you know? Right, right. And uh, <laughs> I mean, he jumped in the car and we flew down back down that hill back to the main road. Wow. <laughs> but my hair was rising on the back of my neck. I scraped to look back. You know, I was so oh, scared yeah. I was afraid to look back. <laughs> I, you know, it, I probably wouldn't have seen anything because it was dark, but still, I was afraid to look back. Pretty close you know, by to hear breathing. And I didn't really think about Sasquatch at the time, but like a day or two later, I thought about it. I thought, oh my goodness, because up there, you know, there's deer and other animals, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I don't think we have any bears this far down from the mountains. Mm-hmm. I've never known of any around here. But they're deer and, you know, the smaller game and stuff. So they would have food. <laughs> sure. But uh, we were, <laughs> we didn't talk about it. Neither one, ne- none of us mentioned it. After we got down the road, we just went home. Finished our ride and went home, and I don't know why we didn't even bring it up, but we didn't bring it up. We didn't say, what was that? Did you hear that? You mm-hmm. know, or anything. So I don't know if the people in the back seat heard it, but I don't see how they could have missed it, because it was loud. It maybe. sounded like it was like maybe five feet away from us. Or, oh, wow. You know, because it, it was so loud, but. Maybe everyone was just trying to block it <laughs> that out. That was my real experience. I mean, mm-hmm. like I said, didn't see anything, but I can't think of anything else it could have been. Sure. I thought about it. And uh, here about 20 years ago, now this is not from my family. This is a family that lived on up that road I was talking about. We went up before mm-hmm. we turned off in, onto the knobs. But it was, well, it's still a lot of woods. There's there's a lot of woods around here. I mean, for miles and miles around. And uh, they were, he said, he said they were children, you know, and they were out there in old fields, you know, just playing around and stuff. And uh, he said all of a sudden they noticed this thing standing there watching them. It was in right in the edge of the woods, you know, it was just standing there watching them. Mm-hmm. And standing up, you know, on two feet, he said it was dark colored, covered in hair. And he said when it noticed them looking at it, that it got down on all fours and ran back into the woods. It ran on all fours? Yeah, he said it got down on all fours and ran back in the woods after they saw it. Oh, interesting, yeah. it was standing on two feet, you know, just looking at them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. He said, I know what it was, because I'd heard about Sasquatch, you know. Oh, boy. He's not, he's not older than, I mean, he's not, you know, he's not as old as me. He's a younger mm-hmm. man, but like I said, I don't know him real well, but he was serious about it. He was really serious. Now, I just, he just told me that, told me that story, me and my granddaughter, about oh, a couple of months ago, and uh he was really serious about it. He said they, we, that they were kind of afraid to go back out in the field after that, you know, for a long, long time. Cause he said it wasn't a bear. He said, you know, he could tell it wasn't a bear. He said it had. Right. It was very big. He said it was very big. And he said, I don't know how tall, but he said it was taller than an average man. 
Mm-hmm. You knew that much. And they had it's all covered in hair, and it was real dark brown or black. And uh, he said that he, uh, he, you know, didn't much care about going back in the field and him and his friends either because that scared him. Yeah, I can imagine. But uh, I don't know uh, if uh, this last one is anything or not. But my grandson, he's he's grown. I mean, he's like 22 now, right at 22. But he told me that he was, that they lived, him and his mom and them lived up there close to a dam, and, you know, on a river, on the Tennessee River up here. And it's about 25 miles from where I live. And they had a lot of woods, you know, around and then behind them and back to their their property had a lot of woods and then there was more, you know, they got off their property. He liked to go fishing and he'd go out with his gun to, you know, sometimes hunting things. But uh, he said late one evening he thought he'd just walk out there and, if he'd seen any deer or, you know, he knew they were up there and wild turkeys, he knew they were there, so he's going to go up there and just look around. He usually went with his stepbrother, but he went by himself that day and he said he started walking up through there and said he got to the edge of the woods and he heard this real loud knock, you know, mm-hmm. something had hit a tree with a piece of wood or something. And he said, it wasn't no little woodpecker knock, you know. Yeah. He's raised in the country. He knows what woodpeckers, you know, how they sound. He said, it was just a knock. I said, well, what did you do? He said, uh, I turned around and come home. <laughs> <laughs> Good <But> choice. <laughs> he said, he, he, it scared him, you know, because it was so loud. Yeah. It was just a loud knock. I said, well, he said, well, Macklin? I said, uh, it was just one knock. And he said, yes. I said, because it was just one of you. <laughs> I said, I've heard that's the way they communicate and tell how many people's coming in the woods, you know, or into their area, you know. So maybe one knock means one person, and maybe they knock twice, it's two people, something like that. Mm-hmm. He said, well, I went back up to there in the daytime, but I didn't go back when it got that dark anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I had to kind of laugh at him because he don't really, you know, he kind of rolls his eyes about Sasquatch, you know, like, uh, you know. But uh, he told me this on his own, so. <laughs> and Very interesting. One more little thing. This was another howl. This was late evening. I was walking up the hill because, like I said, the hill goes up a little further. We're on the, down on the lower, a <laughs> little bit lower part. And uh, I was walking up the hill. Me and the dog were walking up the hill. And there's a, over across that hollow, there's a field, a big, big, big field where the, the, the people raise cattle. And uh, then the ridge is there, you know, all the woods and stuff. Mm-hmm. And 
Now there's some houses up there. I mean, it's not heavily populated, but there's some houses up in those woods. So I, I thought, nah, that wasn't what I heard, you know, because I heard this strange howl. I thought, nah, it had to be a coyote or something. It couldn't have been that. But all the cows that were in the field up toward the woods come flying down all the way to the other side, away from the woods, and kind of huddle there at the bottom of the field. Mm-hmm. And I thought, mm, and my neighbor was sitting on the porch, and she said, what was that? I said, oh, you heard it too? And she said, yeah. She said, that was strange. I said, yeah, it kind of was. Wow. But, uh, I'm the only one in my family that truly believes her out there. Since my mama would have, I mean, she was still alive, so she's seen it, so she really would. But mm-hmm. other than that, most of them just kind of roll their eyes at me and go on, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I got, since I've been retired, I've had more time, and I've looked at, a, you know, I've watched your show on YouTube, and mm-hmm. I've watched, before I found it, I'd watched a, some of the Sasquatch Chronicles show, and that's where I heard you, and I thought, I just like the way you ask questions, and you know what I mean. Sure. You weren't just acting all, I don't know, like people don't know what they're talking about or anything, because you'd seen them. This is true. Have you seen any more since those first three you saw? Uh, I saw the two in 1974 and then one in 1988. So you hadn't saw any more, seen any more since then? Not a direct sighting, no, but I've heard a lot of screams and other vocals and, you know, found plenty of evidence. Yeah, well, I had one more little thing. I kind of forgot. I hadn't forgot it, but it slipped my mind. I was in bed one morning, you know, about day, about break, I guess. Uh, well, I know it was. And when I woke up, just as I woke up, I heard this whoop. And I was like, wait a minute. I didn't hear that. And it sounded like it was close. Mm-hmm. And I thought, maybe I was dreaming. Maybe I wasn't good in the way. I definitely heard it. Yeah. You know, it was, it was a just a whoop. And it was fairly loud, but I could tell it wasn't too far away. You know what I mean? I could tell it wasn't too far away. Sure. Even though it wasn't just real, real, real loud. I just, I don't know how I knew that, but I just knew it wasn't too far away. Like I said, there's still a lot of woods and stuff, and there's some houses out now. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. I wonder <laughs> if there's family of them or tribe of them or troop, whatever you want to call it, maybe that go in out of here, you know what I mean? Because on past that ridge, there's more woods and they go for miles, you know? Mm-hmm. And so there's plenty of hiding places. <laughs> I oh, mean, yeah. And, and some of those woods have no houses at all in them. Absolutely. So keep, keep your eyes open. You, you never know what you're going to see. Well, I really would like to see one, but not close. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's, it's not something I mean. you want to see close. A lot of people want to have, they want to see one, but uh, uh, they they often get more than what they wish for. Well, see, it's, I I realize if I was to come face to face with one, I'd probably, you know, heal over. <laughs> it wouldn't have to hurt me because I'd hurt myself, you know. Right, right. I would like to, you know, perfect sighting to me would be in the car on one of the little back roads up through there where there's lots and lots of woods. Yep. Just to see one beside the road or crossing the road, you know, something like that. That was my second. Get away pretty quick. Yeah, that was my second sighting. It was the perfect one that everybody wants. You know, I was driving along, and and there it was across this, you know, narrow river, and it and it took off into the brush. And I tell people, well, that's the perfect, that's the sighting everybody wants. My first encounter is not the one you want, but that's the one that usually happens. Oh no, 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 no! <laughs> I remember, I've heard. You tell about them. Uh-uh. <laughs> I, I probably would have just killed over, you know, if they wanted me. They had me for sure. I was, I would have been laying at their feet. Yeah, you, you don't want to I would have been laying lunch. at the first one's feet. I wouldn't even have to see the second one. You only had a twin, like a twenty-two rifle or something with you? I had a twenty-two rifle, yep, a single shot. I thought I, thought I remembered you saying, yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't have probably put a dent in it you know, <laughs> if you tried to shoot them but uh, evidently they weren't too aggressive because when you fired that shot off it looked like that would have really made them yeah i think it go kinda, after you, you i think it kind of put them at bay you know i that's a that's my guess you know as they uh they saw the rifle and heard it and you know it was sort of a standoff and then i when that when that second one came around, well, the first one, you know, stood there, and the second one came around after I shot. I figured, well, I better do what the dog did and took off running. Oh, yeah, <laughs> sounds right. I, I don't know. I've probably been scared to run. I probably would just like I said, fell over and you know, rolled in a ball. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know where the mountains up there, Sitico Mountains. It's like I said, most of it. I could get a little ways up at Cherokee National Forest. Mm-hmm. And there is a creek that runs through there, you know. So it it would be a perfect place up there for them to build. I mean, because mm-hmm. it's woods. It's, they got water and deer and, you know. Got everything they need. I've got one relative that still lives there. He can live there. And he's actually in the park, in the edge there of the park. Because his family was there before they made it a park, mm-hmm. so he can stay until you know he when he dies, then it all goes back to the park. Right. And there's that creek right behind his house, and I've thought about going up and asking him, but I'm not a close relative. He's like a mm-hmm. second cousin or something like that, and I feel kind of. <laughs> I don't want everybody to think I'm nuts. Well, it would be interesting to hear what he had to say, though. Because he lives up there now. He's lived up there by himself for a pretty good long time. Sure. There's a cemetery right across the road. His church is up there. Mm-hmm. And that's where my dad is buried because he wanted to go back to the mountains. And he got he was a member of that church when he was young and everything. So he was able to, you know. And he came up to the cemetery when we were burying my dad, and, you know, I did not think at the time, of course, at the time, I was, you know, sad about my dad, but he was 
96 years old when he died. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was sad, but he couldn't hear anymore and he couldn't see. I mean, yeah. he didn't have Alzheimer's or anything. He knew mm-hmm. you and all that. As soon as he could squint enough to see who you were. But that cousin, he came up there and talked, so he might be open to talking to me if I put it kind of delicately. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Right. You ever hear anything strange that, up here? And <laughs> Yeah. I, I've been trying to figure it out because we go up there every once in a while, you know, to put flowers and things like that, and it's just right across the road from yeah. where he lives. And uh, I think that region up there is where you've heard of uh, the guy researcher from Tennessee, Scott Carpenter. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's part of his area there, because I've recognized some of the stuff from his videos, but I quit watching his because he's gone too far out there for me. Right yeah, he's, he's a little that odd, that one. Interdimensional and cloaking and all that stuff, you know. Which is all, all nonsense, I, I yeah. <laughs> I think they're an animal. They are. I think they're an animal. I don't know if they have any human DNA. They sound like they might have some because they seem very intelligent. They have to be. They're very intelligent, yes. To be able to, you know. But, you know, people say, oh, something that big couldn't hide. I said, well, have you thought about some of these areas, how densely wooded and stuff they are. Mm-hmm. I said, I go in, I went in the woods before, and I know they're deer there, and I know they're bobcats. But you usually I don't never see them. them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep, exactly. I mean, if, you, if I've seen a deer, it came out of the woods, you know, mm-hmm. when I saw it. But when it was, you know, in the woods, I never saw it. Now I'm too, well... I can't get out in the woods, you know, mm-hmm. anymore and tramp around. I'd love to. <laughs> of course, I think I would have somebody with me that was pretty well-armed. <laughs> right, absolutely. My grandson, he he likes guns. I mean, he don't have anything like a big AK-47 or anything like that, but he has guns. and he, But he's not interested, mm-hmm. you know. Even if I could get out there, he he wouldn't go with me. My oldest granddaughter, she's kind of interested, but she don't really want to go out in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm kind of with her on there. But we rode at the city co, and I've had her stop and just let me let us kind of look. And then at the cemetery, I kept my eye out. But I was always looking for a black one, you know? Mm-hmm. And since then, I found that they're not all black. That's true. <laughs> some of them are brownish red, and some of them are even gray. Yep, I've seen a gray one myself. Gray. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I told her one time that me and her and her friend need to go, and I'd watch out for the gray ones, because my eyesight's worse, and they oh. stand out more. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and she could handle the black ones, and her friend could handle the brown ones, you know, look for them. Because I realized, you know, we, they could be standing, you know, 20 feet from us in the woods, and they don't move. You know, sure. you'll just pass right over them. You're not going to see them. Right, Unless exactly. they make some kind of noise or move. Mm-hmm. And 
it's really in my old age. <laughs> it's got me really wanting to see just one one time. Mm-hmm. Partly to prove that the rest of my family I'm not nuts. <laughs> that I am not crazy. <laughs> but when my mama told that. I truly believe then, you know. Before right. that, I thought, oh, they're all out in California for such thing, you know. Oh, no, they're and, all over the place. Yeah, I realize that now. But uh, back then, you know, my mother and I said, she did not tell stories that weren't true. Right. You know, she just wasn't the kind of person that would do that. She had no reason to even say something about something like that unless it really happened to her. Yeah, I think most of us know somebody always, that's just not going to make things up. Yeah. She, you know, she would bite her tongue before she'd tell, you know, something untrue like that. She mm-hmm. just wouldn't do it. Because she, would she wouldn't have wanted to scare us. Right. And either. Yeah. But, so after that, I believed that I didn't think about it much, you know, and mm-hmm. then later on I thought more about it and acted up on the knobs that we heard and, you know, hearing that guy talk about the one, because it was going the way, same way up there where he saw it, him, and his, him and the other kids, you know. It wasn't just him, you know, some other kids saw it too. And uh, so I started thinking more about it in the life, I guess, couple of years I've started and then I started listening to YouTube you know different mm-hmm. different ones and pick the ones I like some of them some of those videos they show and they try to show me one and but I can't see it right. <laughs> I'll look and look <laughs> and then I'm like where where is it I don't yeah, there's, see anything there's lots of stuff like that and if it's not clear to me I, I dismiss it because you know maybe they saw something but uh, you know, most people just aren't going to buy into it if they don't actually see it clearly on the on the film. Yeah, and I mean, I know they're hard to film because you know they're so reclusive, you know, or how you want to call it. But they don't want people to know they're rare and stuff. I typically uh, stay away from people as much as possible. Yeah, but I know some of the younger ones seem to be a little more curious. Oh, yeah, the juveniles are. And I just wondered, she said the thing was big. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it was a juvenile, because she said it was really big, but she couldn't measure how tall it was, you know. She just said it was really bigger than a man, much bigger than a man. Right. And it was dark. Like I said, there was a little light from that cooler light out there, Mm -hmm. (laughs) security light, and uh, she could just, she could see it. Right. And then, you know, it, it was just after she got inside and went back down there and saw its face, mm-hmm. you know, looking in, that's when she really got scared. It really scared her. Just because it was not nothing I had ever seen before. This is because she said before she went back down there and it came to the window. Mm-hmm. She was thinking, might have been a gorilla that got out or something, you know, because right. she didn't get a good look at its face out there, you know, in the dark. Mm-hmm. And then when she saw it in the window, she said, ah, no, it wasn't a gorilla. She said, 
she just could not think of anything that resembled that much except said something about it made her think of a, you know, male sheep, a ram. Mm-hmm. The big ones, you know, with a real fierce look. Yeah. That's because it looked fierce. And uh, <laughs> I was trying to imagine. I can't even think of what a ram looks like in my mind. <laughs> and I was just trying to think of that myself. <laughs> yeah, I keep I keep trying to picture one, and I've been thinking about getting on uh, and searching out sheep and just see if I can... <laughs> It would have to be a black sheep because the way she talked, it was real dark colored. You yeah, know, she right. couldn't say it's dark brown or really black. But, mm-hmm. So, like I said, that convinced me when she saw it, and then the things that happened later, you know, sounds she heard again, sure, down in the woods, and then something at the back of the house. She said it was, it was, they weren't beating on the house or anything like that, but you could hear them like they were moving along the wall and stuff in the back. Mm-hmm. There was a door there, so she was scared that ever what it was would break the door down and come on in. Right. She didn't go back there to, you know, check it out or anything. Yeah, probably a good plan to stay away from it. Run out the door. <laughs> but, like I said, we our neighborhood's build up and there's more houses and everything but they might not stay in this area but it's possible they could still come down into these woods because that how me and my neighbor heard was strange mm-hmm. I have heard coyotes and it really did not sound like a coyote yeah and I don't know about other animals like bobcats do they howl they name scream, scream like don't they yeah, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't a scream. It was just a long howl. And those cows took off. I mean, they come flying down there. And there's a whole herd of cows. I mean, like 25 yeah. cows. That, that usually makes a difference if something is chasing off a lot of animals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was. They come thundering down. I could, you know, see them coming because. I got a pretty clear view of that field. There's a tree or two here and there between our house and the field that you can still see, you know, pretty well over there. Yeah. I thought still that good. <laughs> <laughs> but I got binoculars and <laughs> tried to see if I could spot anything over there in the wood line, but yeah. I couldn't. Well, it's a good idea them. to keep an eye on them, you know. Well... I know if I hear another whoop, I probably will be moving. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I can't be sure, you mm-hmm. know, if, if he had a stream, but I was awake. I know at the time I heard it. Sure. Maybe I was in that weird area between sleep and being awake or something. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it was very, very plain. I mean, it was a whoop, and it sounded very close, but it wasn't just horribly loud. Right. It's just like somebody was standing outside my window and said, said it, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. And that kind of made me nervous for a few days, but I still go outside once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> now, I go out, I take my dog, you know, I have to walk her because... Now we're in 
you know, they moved the city limits out, so I just can't go yeah. out wandering around without me. And uh, she's a pretty decent dog. She's German Shepherd. But uh, I don't know what she'd do because we were walking one morning before daylight. This has been a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And we walked down to that road where the friends live, but we didn't turn up that way. We went down, and there's houses down through there all the way down to the highway, you know. And we were walking down through there, and there was this house there on the left. It's where some of my friends some years ago would live, but it was a rental now, you know. They rent it to ever who has it now. And uh, at the time, it was empty. You know, no, nothing. We were walking, and she, my dog, she just stopped. And she started at that house. Or, well, there's some woods and trees and stuff, not no real deep woods, but there's some trees and stuff kind of behind it, or, you know, there. Mm-hmm. And she just stared for, like, I'd say half a minute, you know. And all at once, her ears went, she laid her ears all the way back, and she started just yepping and hollering. Uh-huh. And jerked the leash out of my hand and ran. <laughs> I thought, well, what did she see? Because I was standing there looking, you know. Mm-hmm. There was no wind blowing trees or anything like that. And there was nobody there because it was empty and nothing stirring that I seen. But she ran, and it's a good little piece back to the house. She ran all the way home. Mm-hmm. I are... said, when I got home, I said, yeah, Molly, that's good. Every man for themselves, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, dogs are a pretty good indicator of things that are around. I, I've never seen her do that. Never. Lay her ears back like that and yeah. holler. You know, she just hollered, you know. Wow. Oh, 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 oh. You know, and oh. up that hill and. Around the curb and gone, but something scared her then. Yeah, I told my husband he was still alive then. I said, you know, I thought dogs were supposed to protect you, but she was like, "All right, I'm gone. <laughs> you can come if you want to." <laughs> but he he said, you know, he was here and he said she'd come running up on the porch, and so then she looked back, and then she stood there and she kind of whined and she'd pace. Mm-hmm. Until I got back. And so something, I don't know what it could have been, scared her. I mean, there was nothing that I could see. Nothing. And like I said, she's never done that again. Right. Of course, I really don't go walking before daylight anymore. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I decided that's not a good thing. It's probably not. (laughs) Well, listen, Jim. Like I said, there's still plenty of woods around, you know. Right. I think maybe we'll stick to daytime. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're running a little short of time. Um, very interesting information, and you'll have to keep me posted about anything that uh, goes on there. Oh, I will. You know, like I said, I'm wanting to see one, and if I see one, you'll be the first person I tell. Awesome. Because <laughs> I am really, really, I do. But I don't want to see one close. I mean, yeah. not close. Right. Close enough to see what it really is, but that's it. <laughs> well, I certainly appreciate And hopefully, you. I'm in the car. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. 
Well, I appreciate you talking to me, and I really appreciate the information. It's very interesting. Well, I didn't know not the you know encounters and things mm-hmm. I told would be very interesting or not, but they they were you know mostly all family things in, right. in the family. You know, it happened to, except for the one guy up on the road there, and uh, I just thought, well, I hear some of the other stories, and they get run out of the woods and mm-hmm. this and that, so I think maybe mine ain't that great of stories, but I know the ones that, that my mom and dad told were true, but yeah. they, it happened to them, and my aunt, too. It was very she, interesting, yeah. But uh, I really appreciate you calling me, because I didn't know if you would or not, because, you know... I'm, uh, I'm a- Always interested. I, I I knew you seemed to be interested, and you take it more. Seem like some of them don't take it as seriously as they should. Yeah, it's because they I I think like, a lot of people you know, have never seen one, so they they don't know. They don't know the gravity of the situation. Well, the ones that claim to have experienced it, you know, seen one and stuff, they act like, oh, well, you know, just don't bother them. They won't hurt you. But I don't know yeah. about that. I, no, that's not I, true at all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that just, yeah, I remember Teddy Roosevelt's story and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. reading that. And I, oh, well. But I'm glad you called me and let me tell. If you do put it on the air and... Like I said, I hope people can understand my accent and stuff because I've heard myself on recordings and mm-hmm. I think, do I sound like that? <laughs> They'll have no problem. <laughs> Listen, June, thank you. I certainly appreciate it again and uh, and keep well, in I, touch. I really appreciate you you know, calling me back and listening to me. It feels good to talk tonight. Don't roll your eyes at you. you know? Right, absolutely. All right. You have a good rest of the day. All right. You do the same, and thank you again. Thank you, too. Bye-bye. Bye now. Thanks for listening to this episode of Creek Devil. If you or anyone you know has had an encounter with these creatures, please contact us at williamjevning at yahoo.com. That's William, J-E-V-N-I-N-G, at yahoo.com. All communication is confidential. Join us for another program next week. And until then, keep your eyes open out there.